20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is happening, Packer fans? Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. Joined once again by the one and only Mike Wall. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. Make sure to follow him on his On My Block podcast as well as ProcessToPerform.com. Mike, always awesome talking with you. How have you been and what's new in your life? Oh, life is good. Thanks for having me on, Andy. Yeah, we were just, as we were just talking, uh, just. Football culture is super interesting, especially at the youth level. I was you know, I had had a family member going through some interesting stuff that uh, brought back some, I guess, some of the negative memories associated with youth sports back in the day. So uh, it's it's uh, it's it's all part of the journey. As my dad always likes to say, there's a lot of amazing stuff with uh, youth sports until parents and coaches try to ruin it. And unfortunately, sometimes that can very much be the case. Uh, there's a lot of other sports stuff going on, obviously, though, as well, that is also not as great, uh, specifically our Green Bay Packers that we know and love. Uh, interesting week for Green Bay. Of course, we'll get to the the Minnesota. I want to get your Packers Vikings takeaways in just a moment, too. I think clearly the biggest takeaway from this week is the Packers decision to trade away Razul Douglas. He goes to Buffalo. Great fit for him. I'm sure he is massively excited to be going to Buffalo playoff contender should be able to help there. Tredavious white is out. Uh, Kair Elam, their first round corner from a year ago has not been playing and now is on IR. So great fit for Razul. Great fit for Buffalo, but Razul no longer in green Bay, arguably if not their best, one of their best defensive players so far this season had been playing really great football and now uh, they lose one of their better players for the remainder of the season. Your thoughts on the Rizul trade? It's always interesting, and you never know what the impetus for for considering the trade is. Um, but when it was, I just I took a weird feeling from when Goody said, "Yeah, we got up to like a top hundred pick for Rizul." It's like, well, okay, you know, yet we save nine million in cap space next year. Oh, okay, like that's not a lot of money for a starting corner in the National Football League, who's, who's a locker room leader. Um, I think my big takeaway is this. It sends a message to the locker room because you've just gotten rid of your lead. Here's when, when Zaire Alexander and Keyshawn Nixon are you know, openly lamenting the fact that you just took away their leader. Yeah. I think it's a big deal. I think when Zaire Alexander says, so I, I, I'm, I don't want to misquote him, but something to the effect of they just got rid of the glue for our, for our secondary in the locker room. That is like an ominous telltale not good thing to project because what I could interpret that is I've been in locker rooms before we didn't like what was going on before and he was keeping it together for us and now you just got rid of him um the last couple games he's clearly been frustrated by lack of communication or, or, or bad communication on the field he got caught twice because of it uh two touchdowns in particular um he's certainly angry after the the game and talking about that not only that, those specific instances, but just what's going on. So then yep. when a guy gets sent away after you see kind of those instances, it is a head scratcher. Um, you wonder if it's part of the deal. I know they said it wasn't. Uh, but for me, I don't think – I just don't – we've talked about this, and this is probably the, the the real problem. I don't believe that this is a great draft and develop program right now. I don't think it has been for a number of years. I, I don't have a look at all like the third round draft picks. I'm guessing that's about what a hundred you know, top hundred means like a draft pick yeah. for third yeah. round. So I don't know what they all look like in the last couple of years, but I, I'm, I don't, since I don't, I'm guessing I really don't want to take a flyer on any of them right now. And 
to lose a guy who is that valuable seems, you know, Andy, without getting too far into this conversation, it really is interesting to me about like, there's the perspective of time in different positions, right? A general manager is working week to week if you're not good, but he also has to look down the road 10 years. Like he's assuming his job is going to be there for 10 years. The, the job of a coach right now who's two and five and, and looking down the barrel of having a, a really bad season for the second year in a row is looking at this maybe a little bit differently. Maybe his timeline's more, more week to week because he needs to win some games. Otherwise, he might get fired. Yeah. And then the players looking at it like, you're taking away people that are helping me make more money, win more games, do my job better. And I'm always looking at this thing day to day, week to week, because that's how a player operates literally from week to week to week, unless you're talking about an injury. So the three perspectives of time here are so vastly different. And when you get a, a get rid of a key piece, it's sending messages at different levels. I know it's part of the business, but it certainly sends messages to all those different levels of uh, within the organization. A lot of different things I want to go over here. First of all, because I know uh, it, it is a nightmare if you look at Green Bay's recent third round picks, which is like a known meme in Green Bay. But this is since 2011. Uh, third round pick running back Alex Green. Uh, 2014 was third round picks, Kyrie Thornton and Richard Rogers and 2015 was Ty Montgomery. 2016 was Kyler Fackrell. 2017 was Montrevious Adams. 2018 was Oren Burks, by the way, Oren Burks and Montrevious Adams having pretty solid careers, uh, right now in San Francisco and Pittsburgh, I think respectively, but, uh, 2019, Jace Sternberger, third round pick 2020, Josiah DeGuara. 2021, Amari Rogers, 2022, Sean Ryan, 2023, so far, Tucker Craft. So it has not exactly been a who's who of third round picks and what they've been able to get out of those third round picks. In fact, it was like, again, it's almost like a meme of like, oh, they got a third round pick that's going to end well at this point. But um, if, let me say it this way, in a vacuum uh, or from like a, uh, from a spreadsheet, I understand the decision to some extent. Like I understand of, all right, you're not going to win um, this upcoming season and you have to acquire, you know, the, like, the big thing that Goody mentioned was with a third round pick, you get a top 100 player in the draft that you have a four year super cheap contract for. And those players can be very valuable if you hit on them. Of course, the key being if you hit on them um, I, again, I can understand it in a vacuum on a spreadsheet, whatever it might be. A couple of players that I think were real are really difficult to take away from this specific team, this specific locker room, with the era that they're transitioning to and going younger. Mercedes Lewis in the past offseason, and I get it's not like Mercedes Lewis is tearing it up for Chicago by any means, but just having that guy as a, a bridge to kind of that next generation of players and a guy like Razul Douglas in the lot in, in the locker room from a defensive standpoint, you talk about like the glue that keeps everything together. Those two are guys that are going to be glue guys that kind of keep everything together while you're going through this transition into a new era. Um, it's not like Mercedes would have cost a ton. You already had Razul on the roster. So spreadsheet uh, GMing, I get it, but there's a lot of the stuff from a, a locker room and culture standpoint that I think really hurts by potentially not bringing those guys back or keeping them. Yeah, I I don't get it. Uh, I don't get it on any level because I mean, Goody's been around so long. And he's been through cycles of coaches. Um, I, mean, I think he's been there for three or four coaches, right? I mean, he's been there for 20 years. Uh, it's yep. a, you know some form of fashion, so I'm over that, really. Uh, so for me, understanding the importance of the culture of the locker room, the development of your athletes. I mean, this is – it always goes back to, like, who do you really think is developing your athletes? You know, I mean, who do you really think – do you think – 
I'll, let me let me put it a different way. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. I forgot the guy's name, but do you think if Mercedes Lewis is in the tight end room right now, do you think they are much better than they are, or do you think they're the same or worse? Like I think they're much. I don't. I, it's if you're on the spectrum, I'm going towards much better. I think he has much more to do with the development of those players than whoever's leading that room right now. I feel the same way if David Bakhtiari okay. was on the field every day. I feel like the offensive line would be much better. Yeah. Uh, if if Rasul Douglas is the guy that is holding everyone accountable in that room, then I feel like losing him has the same effect. I don't know that he's the same guy as those other two I just mentioned. I don't. I mean, I have no idea. I don't know Rasul Douglas yep. because and he hasn't been there as long. But I do know that that matters a lot in in football. I know that you learn more from from veteran players than you're ever going to learn from from the coaching staff just because you're around the vet, you're around players more and they they have they have more intimate knowledge about what you're doing. And this team right now, when you look at the offense in particular, you go, it's almost like we everyone kind of got excited because they started this. We, we all started this narrative or somebody started this narrative. of, Oh, they'll grow together and this will be exciting. And, you know, it'll be a little rough, but they're so talented. It's going to be OK. And it's like, well, then they got rid of Mercedes Lewis. Then they got rid of, you know, then Lazard goes to the Jets. Then the then Cobb goes to the Jets. And you start going, oh, they don't have literally anybody to teach him. They have nobody to teach him how to be a professional. And this is, unfortunately, and they can all be very good. Like we can all get, we can all talk the truth about what they are now and acknowledge that they can be good later. But right now you're seeing exactly what happens when you get rid of veteran leadership and you have a, a, just this huge vacuum of experience between maybe the coaching staff or the, the oldest guy, whoever, and there's all these young guys trying to play and figure it out on their own. Like, it's, it's a really tough sport, man. Like, I know football's not a fluid sport. I know it's not a skill sport necessarily compared to some soccer and basketball and whatnot. This is a really tough sport because there's a physical violence involved. And if you're not able to, like, automate your technique, if you're not able to know what to do pre-snap and you're out there – Going, I don't know. I don't know what I should. The process so I should even be thinking about things. You're gonna have a real problem getting better in this league for a long time. Your veteran in the quarterback room is Jordan Love. Your veteran in the wide receiver room is Romeo Dobbs, Samore Touri, and Christian Watson. Pick one, whatever you want it to be. Your veteran in the tight end room is Josiah Deguara, and he's he spends as much time with like the fullbacks as the tight. If you take him away. It's all rookies. It's literally all rookies as your veterans in the tight end room. Offensive line without Bakhtiari is Elton Jenkins, who's been around for a little while and can probably um, you know, hold that mantle a little bit, but not, not a lot of, uh, of veterans. And really the only veteran left on offense period is Aaron Jones. And again, he's missed time uh, with some injuries as well. So it is an extremely young offense. There's not many veterans to lean on or to go to in tough situations. And now you took another one of those veterans on the opposite side of the ball in the defense, the guy, again, that was the glue that kind of held that defensive backfield together. And now he is gone as well. It's just, it's tough. It's really, really tough. If you had a situation uh, when you were playing where uh, a team traded away a player at a deadline or traded away a player that um, was either instrumental or you could tell or like, all right, this team isn't um, trying to win or like any message that was sent in that regards. I'm trying to think um, never in green Bay. In Carolina, uh, we were, you know, we were NFC championship game first year. And then our quarterback got hurt later in the season, the next two years. So we were never really out of it. Uh, and then, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I mean, people got traded certainly, but yeah. 
I remember like Al Harris coming in more than anybody leaving, right? Uh, yeah. Just because the, the people are left and the people that were leaving were maybe not consequential to our, our overall success during that season. But um, you certainly you see this a lot. I mean, you watch what happened with the Washington. I mean, think about the Niners and the Commanders' relationship. You know, uh, they, they give Chase Young and Trent Williams to the Niners for like you know two nickels and a ball of lint. I mean, it, uh, over the course of the last couple of years, and you know Trent Williams best best tackle, arguably best tackle in the league. Chase Young been hurt, but certainly from a talent standpoint, you look at him and what he's going to do with Chris Kurisic in that defensive line room. You go, oh my god. And the commanders just decide you – know, that's why some – this is an example of why some teams are always in the conversation and some teams aren't. I mean, this is this is what you look at in the course of the year. And what you are hoping is that this is a quick reset for Green Bay and they're going to get back into the other conversation because they're trending towards being one of those teams that's not necessarily in the NFC championship conversation year in, year out. Yeah, a, a situation that Packers and their fans are not – familiar with being in I'll kind of follow up with this too I know you mentioned all, obviously all, a lot of the teams that you had had success but um have you were you in a locker room where it was a, a two and five ish season four game losing streak anything like that and just how does that affect you as a player yeah it's it, I think it just depends on the locker room and the experience and the trust in the guys my last I think my last year in Green Bay 2004 um we started off like I think it was like one and five or two and five it was pretty bad and I just remember, you know, everyone's kind of down on us. And we were just, you know, we're all kind of sitting around scratching our heads going, how are we losing? We're really like, we're really good. We knew we were a really good team. And we ended up catching fire and making the playoffs. We kind of limped into the playoffs at the end. Chad got hurt. And we ended up losing to the Vikings at home. But that season, I remember we started off with a record that we were just all kind of, you know, reporters are asking you like, what's going on? You're like, I don't know, man. I feel like we're playing pretty good. I don't know why. I don't know why we're losing. Um, and Sometimes that happens to to teams that are, you know, good, not great. But we never felt a sense of – we never felt a sense that the sky was falling. And I think that's more of a reflection of everybody in that locker room had experienced, you know, a success at a a high level. And so we were were kind of used to um, having to go through the motions of, of, of an NFL season. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Does anyone else struggle with the seasonal blues? I know for me personally, it's not so much the hustle and bustle or anxiety of the season. It's more of memories of holidays past. Thinking back to times when my kids were younger, when different family members were still around, it can all make me extremely nostalgic for holidays that have come and gone. Now everyone's a little bit different and for a multitude of reasons, this time of season can be a lot. And if that's you too, don't fret. It's natural to feel sadness, anxiety, or stress during the holiday season. I think something that we can easily forget is that therapy can be a bright spot amidst all the stress and chaos. It can be something to look forward to, it can make you feel grounded, and it can give you the tools that you need to manage everything that's going on in your life. I've personally benefited from therapy in the past. I'm sure I'm going to benefit from therapy again in the future. I've learned to take a deep breath and enjoy the moments that are happening in the here and the now, and I try to slow down in those crazy busy moments that are sure to exist this holiday season. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, extremely convenient, and can be suited to your unique schedule. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Packaday. Cue the dramatic music. We have a public service announcement. 
It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, we're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKADAY. High-tech for low places, Manscaped. Personally, Manscaped is my go-to for all of my grooming needs. Manscaped has some crazy technology that helps prevent nicks, cuts, snags, and tugs in all those ultra-sensitive places. I also personally recommend the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion that just makes the entire experience so much better. In an area that you have to have trust, I trust Manscaped, and you should too. Right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PACKADAY at manscaped.com. That's 20 percent off plus free shipping with code packaday at manscape.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship, so get yours today from our folks over at Manscaped. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, you nailed it. Uh, beat Carolina week one and then came back with four straight losses against mm-hmm. the Bears, Colts, Giants, and Titans, including a 48 to 27 loss to the Titans oh, and then came back game. and then came back and reeled off six straight wins following that loss, win, loss, win, win. And then, as you mentioned, um, it was the, the loss to the Vikings in the playoffs in the wild card round 10 to seven, or sorry, uh, 31, 17, sorry, final score yeah, um, right. in that one. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure not fun. And I'm sure there's uh, a lot of things going on in that locker room. Like you said, without those veterans in there, it's going to make it that much hard to bounce back and have kind of some of those positive feelings, especially with a lot of these young guys, all these first and second year players for a franchise that's had all of this success and, and, and winning. And again, three 13 win seasons under Matt LaFleur. A lot of those guys weren't there for any of those 13 win seasons. A lot of these guys were either drafted last year or this year and only have an eight and nine season. And now a two of two and five start, um, uh, on their uh, under their belt, yeah. so it yeah, it's just it's very very interesting for Green Bay to be in this position. Yeah, it's tough. the 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 hard thing about being in this position is that there's no there's no back to the Mercedes Lewis or lack thereof is the, and Rasul Douglas, who's policing 
the culture. Like who's really it's not the player engagement guy, it's not the head coach. You know, it 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 has to be it has to be their the the voice pieces of those uh, those ideas, those ideals of the head coach who who does install the culture of the team. But those those mouthpieces for him are in the locker room. Who who is that with this team to your point? Who are the people that are holding the younger players? If the younger players are the only ones there, who's holding everyone else accountable? And I think that's where, as you transition from like a high-level college team to a pro team, with these people have mortgages and huge paychecks and wives and you know things change, and you can't have the same structure like maybe you did in college. You have to. There's a lot of uh, professionalism and kind of self-realization of of what you want to become that needs to happen at the professional level. It doesn't necessarily need to happen at other levels. Yeah, veterans left in that locker room. Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones. They're hoping that those guys are able to provide some of that leadership, but not not many uh, elder statesmen left in that, to say the least. Um, just kind of quick, I, I know it's kind of the same song and dance that we've been going through for four weeks now, but uh, anything from Packers-Vikings that struck you as a, a positive or negative takeaway, anything different this week? I had two takeaways of my show. Uh, one, this is not a confident team offensively. I think Jordan Love led in rushing and passing. Uh, I think he's accounting. He counted for like 30, 34 yards of, of seven, or 30 yards of 74 yards or something in the run game. Um, the biggest thing, in, and I think I think they've, they've reiterated this during the course of the, the, the week, is the miscues on offense, the pre-snap miscues, the communication errors, the, the linemen going the wrong direction. You're just not setting yourself up for a chance to even find success. And there, you can only control what you can control. I mean, that's one thing as, a, as an NFL player, you have to understand there's, there's 21 other players, the field conditions, what they call the referee, everything else that's going on around you. That's going to have an effect on how people outside of you feel about you, how you're the result of your play. So I can only control my stuff. Do I know what I'm supposed to do? Do I know my my the, the what the defender is going to do in my in my case? Am I really good at my my footwork and my technique, my body position? Do I finish through the whistle? Like, do I do things as as well as I can? If the answer is yes, I'm always going to have a chance to find success. I think the problem right now is on one of those things. It seems like the majority of the group, the answer is no enough, where you're having a real hard time finding out what we're good at. I don't know if you saw my stat that I posted from the first half since going back to the the Saints game. 25 total drives in the first half of games going back to the Saints game. 18 total punts on those 25 drives. Nine total points, three of which were because of a defensive turnover in the opposing uh, side of the field where they went four plays, zero yards on the drive. Mm. Two interceptions, four total field goal attempts going three for four in those attempts. Zero touchdowns. One time was just the end of half. 25 drives, nine points, two interceptions, 18 punts. Um, it's I I, I, don't, I can't ever remember seeing anything remotely like that in in a like just a completely inexcusable first half offense and just not being able to do anything. And a lot of that is the stuff that you game plan for, scheme for, and hopefully practice during the week. And it's just completely abysmal. Yeah, and it's not like they're you know behind the eight ball with field position or anything, and they've, they've had to go ninety nine yards or whatnot. No. Um, it just uh, listen, it's really hard, you know, doing Packer stuff sometimes. I listen right when I watch when I like watching film because I try to figure out how to beat people. I'm not really emotionally tied to any of this. You know, I'm not tied to this team at all. 
Right. I mean, I, I played for the Packers. I love the Packers, but like, I don't know any of these guys. I, I just try to figure out how to beat people. How do you, how can I beat you? And when I watch this team, I've been saying this for a couple of years and I, I, you never want to be negative, but listen, they don't do the basic stuff very well. And there's just no getting around it. And until, you know, until you start, until you have good footwork, until you're in the right positions, until you pre-snap reads are correct, until you communicate the right way, like all the other finishing school stuff that like you, you see, like, you know, people trying to help you on the internet or they talk about the great releases until you, until you can do the basics, all the finishing school stuff that you know, we're trying to dress up and make a big deal. All the highlight stuff doesn't matter at all. It makes no difference. You lose. I don't know if, if a hundred percent, if there's a hundred plays in a game, you're losing 75 plays a, a week on, on bad, on bad technique, getting beat on bad technique. You're losing 25 of those on scheme. It's like, it's not even close guys. You know what I mean? It, it's a, it's really hard sometimes to watch these guys struggle. Cause you're like, are you trying to, are we, I don't know if they're trying to be cute. Um, I, I think my, my guess is, that you have a lot of people that aren't very confident right now. And it's like, I only know one way to get confident and it's how, it's how you prepare. And so if you haven't gotten any better at this point, you think you have talented players, then you're not preparing the right way. Definitely seems that way. And I think your quote of the backers are hard to watch. I think a lot of people are feeling that at the moment. All right, I want to talk about some offensive line stuff really quick. Uh, the first one, Matt LaFleur mentioned this week, I think it was Matt LaFleur mentioned that the Packers need to improve their pad level. Um, which of course is an old uh, Mike McCarthy maxim as well. Uh, just your takeaways from hearing Matt LaFleur say that they need to play with better pad level and, and maybe just a, a one-on-one explanation of what, what you think that means, or I know you know what that means, but for people listening, what that means. So that's my like favorite sarcastically. That's my favorite coach speak is, is pad level. Oh, we need to get a better at our pad level. Cause coaches just yell it out. Oh, you got to get better pad level. And it's, it's the reason that like some of these teams aren't very good. That's like a microcosm why your team's not good. Because if you say, if I said to you, Andy, I want you, I want you to, I want your pads to be lower. You would probably just try to bend over more and get lower, right? Like it makes it, it's an absolute without like any contextual awareness or like simplicity in, in movement. It makes, it just makes people do dumb things. And so I'm sure they have a plan. He's just using big words to communicate. But why somebody's pad level could be different varies by individual. For example, when Elgin Jenkins or Josh Myers go into uh, contact high, it's because they step behind themselves. And when they step behind themselves, they immediately lose leverage. There's nothing that they can do at that point because if, if I stood up right now, and I took one step backwards and then told you to told and then went forwards. My second step is going to either be short or way too long. I'm going to use hamstring instead of instead of glute. And my pad level is going to go from here to here, no matter what I do. I can't fight it. So I'm timing. Everything's wrong just because of one step. So it's it's something as easy as that. Other people just get into stances the wrong way. They, they kick their feet out because they don't have good ankle mobility. They, they've never been taught to get in a stance that like helps you deliver power. And so they immediately pop straight up instead of popping their hips back. There's a number of things that happen. You have to put in the work and it's not a lot of work if you know what to look at, but you got to put in the work to understand with each guy, this is what we're going to do to get better. What a high school team will do is they'll put them under those shoots and go, 
now we're going to show you how to get lower, right? You got to get lower because of these shoots. And then the guys are like over there waddling and doing all this and like doesn't translate at all. So I'm, I'm, I'm being hard on, on coach LaFleur because he used the, the, those words. He's just speaking to the media, but the reality is there's a lot to that goes into that. And basically what he's saying is our footwork and our technique aren't very good and it has to be better. Yeah. And I think that's hopefully the right message and hopefully something that can get across uh, that they do need to work on that technique. And uh, you, you know, you've been talking about it for, for years now. Um, and hopefully they, they put a little bit more time, effort and energy into that. And we see the results on the field because always, as you've been saying that the technique is going to continue to be hard to watch and it's going to ultimately get you beat. Mike, I trust you more than any other person to break down Packers offensive line play. I am very confused at best at the moment. I get that coaches and GMs are going to have their players backs and they're not going to throw guys under the bus more often than not uh, to the media. Totally understand that and get that. But uh, both Adam Stenovich, offensive coordinator, former offensive line coach, uh, and Brian Gudikins, the general manager, two people will know infinitely more about football than I will ever know, have gone out of their way basically to say that Josh Myers is playing the best football of his career. And I think Brian even doubled down on it and said that he's playing really great right now. Uh, I cannot get to that point, no matter how much I watch. I do think there is some positive things that he is doing, but I trust you more than anyone. So I'll ask you this as simply as I can. Is Josh Myers playing the best football of his career right now? Uh, that could very well be true, honestly. I mean, he played really bad last year. Yep. And so so he's, he's, he's certainly improved, I think, from my – here's the thing. In social media now, and everyone's got access to film, and everyone's got access to all 22, it is so easy – to pull up four clips to demonstrate a point. And we do that, uh, we being the everybody outside the locker room, we do that ad nauseum. And I see people, I mean, listen, you get on Packers Twitter, you get on Packers Twitter and you got some people putting up stuff, you're going, you have literally have no idea what you're talking about, but you're, you're ragdolling this, you're ragdolling Myers and, and you're not even calling the right play. So I think we get, there's a momentum that gets built, certainly. Has he played, uh, you know, is he Creed Humphrey? Absolutely not. No. And I don't even know where we would put him as far as rankings. I don't think that he's playing very high level at all. But there are things that he is doing that are beneficial for this football team. What happens is, like the first third and one last week, if you go the wrong direction and you're the center, it's – that's a tough hurdle to get over over the course of a game. Like you better be pretty damn well the rest of the game. You make that kind of mistake on the first series. And I think what happens with Myers, unfortunately, I remember back in the Jets game, this happened. It's happened a couple of times this year is like you start off the game as the team does playing poorly. What did you say? 25 series and not whatever, whatever the numbers yeah, were. 19 punts, yeah. yeah. Terrible. And it's like, it's, when I have when I watch my kids, if my kids come out and start slow and play the first half of a soccer game bad, and then they come in, in the car afterwards and they're like, they're like, well, you know, I I think I turned it up the second half. I'm always like, yeah, but all everybody who cared about watching you left the first half because you didn't play well, and that's kind of what happens right now. I think with these guys because they have we have so much access to all this tape. So my my I guess my answer is he might very well be playing better than he has. I don't know if that's anywhere near good enough. But I do think that some of the uh, attention, negative attention that he gets, I mean, I get people, I get like hate mail about him sometimes. And I'm like, he's, he's not, there's worse players in the league. Trust me. I can I find him. Yeah. 
And there's worse players on the Packers offensive line, I would even argue as well. So I, I do think he's been a bit of a lightning rod overall for just like the overarching offensive line criticism, which I don't think is is totally fair. Um, and I do th- I do think there are, like you said, some positives. Uh, I just can't get all the way. And again, to all your bigger point, and I've said the same thing of like, just because his other seasons haven't been very good, it's it, there's an argument to be made that maybe he is playing the best football of his career. I just, I don't know. I still struggle with his overall consistency. Um, but again, that goes for a lot of players on the Green Bay Packers. Remember who he's remember who he's following too. I mean, same school. I Corey Lindsley was really Corey Lindsley was as good as center for about three years. Corey Lindsley was a, about as good a center as there was in the National Football League. Yep. And I don't think anybody knew it until his third year, his, his last year in Green Bay. I don't think a single person knew how good he was outside of that building. Until his last year, and everyone, oh wow, he's and then he got paid, and everyone, oh wow, he must be really good, you know. And when you follow that, uh, I I just think that's listen. When Marco and I left, we left the same year. You know how long it took him to find sitting in TJ. I mean, when you have good players that leave, it's tough, man. It's tough to just and because I remember, do you remember Adrian Clem? Oh yeah, absolutely. So Adrian Clem. I'll tell you a funny story real quick. So Adrian Clem and I, I don't, we don't know each other, right? But I'm working out after my first year in Carolina. You know, I've had a good year in this whole thing. And he came here and got absolutely ragdolled by the media. And uh, we met each other at this Ch- Chad E.K.'s training center in, in, in Arizona. And he was real cold to me. And I'm, you know, hey, what's going on, man? Good to see, meet you, blah, 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 blah. And he was kind of looking at me cross-eyed and the whole thing. And about two nights later, we were out in the parking lot of a sushi restaurant. I get out of the car, and he's standing in the middle of the parking lot. And he's like, he's like, man, I was going to have me and my boys jump you because I, I got so sick. Of, and he was you know, smiling. And he, and he goes, because I was so sick of having to hear about trying to replace you. Because when I – and nobody thought I would – you know, it's, when I was there, it was always like, you know, Beck's talking me down to the media and this and that. A couple of people figured out it was good my last year. But then you leave, you realize like there's a little bit of a vacuum and the next guy, man, it's just really, he was a good player. It's just really tough. I think uh, one of the underrated things for Green Bay for a while now too, there's a, there's a couple of years where you try to get Jeff Saturday in there and things like that. But uh, you go, what Frank winners, Mike Flanagan, Scott Wells, uh, JC Treader, Corey Lindsley. Um, That's a heck of a stretch where you go without, uh, you know, with at least, good to competent center play in, in a lot of those years, a whole heck of a lot better than that with Flanagan, Lindsley um, specifically, like there, there's been a lot of good center play in green Bay. Um, and when you get a little bit below average, like I, it, I just don't think again, it, it's not been the standard in green Bay to have below average center play more often than not outside of like the one Jeff Saturday year. Who, by the way, made the pro bowl. The other thing, yeah. cra- the other thing that's crazy about it is you have, you go back to, okay, if you had the center with the quarterback, the veteran quarterback, or vice versa, you feel a lot better about the situation. But with when everybody's just struggling to tread water, you know, it's like who's throwing you the life jacket, man? There's nobody in the boat. Totally agreed. Totally, totally agreed. Uh, and by the way, Dusty Evely, uh, I know, was posting some positive Josh Myers clips out there as well. So uh, the, he's the best. He always posts some uh, some positive things, even in the darkest of times. So you can check those out over on his uh, Twitter page as well for those listening. Uh, any positives that you got right now, Mike? Anything that you can uh, throw us a life raft and uh, give us some positive things to think about before Packers Rams this week? 
Well, I think Rashawn Gary getting paid was awesome. Yeah. Four, was it four years, 107, $107.5 million extension? Well-deserved. Just, you know what? Here's another thing that's it's amazing to me. So I, somebody was talking about the, the contract extension, one of the players, and he goes, he just said, Rashawn Gary is the hardest worker on the team. You know, and I, I've heard that multiple times. And he's, yeah. it, I see some things posted every once in a while of him putting putting time in the offseason in different labs and whatnot. And uh, by labs, I mean gyms. And yeah. it's so funny. Uh, these guys, it's like the formula for success, and this is what's so frustrating about these teams. The formula for success really isn't that difficult, is it? It's like go find a place to get really good. I had a guy ask me – I was on a, sh- a show this morning. And he was asking about Carolina Panthers and offensive line and this and that. And I go, it's the, the formula is not hard, guys, because they have camping down there. I go, if you want to get good and you're just trying to get good at, at the two hours you're at practice, you're not going to get very good. It's really that easy. You want to get better, go put time in outside of practice. That's what that's what this job requires, especially now with the CBA. Guys who put in work seem to find good results. The guys that don't put in a lot of work they don't find good results and they're pretty easy to, it's pretty easy to figure out who's who. Yeah. Yeah, very much. I'm, I'm so excited about the the Gary contract too. I think uh, it was great for both sides. I think it was well-earned, well-deserved. So happy that the player that is working the hardest in the building is sticking around. The last thing you want to do is lose that guy in any capacity. Um, goes up to basically just when he turns age 30, the, the numbers are good. Like all of it, just all the way around. Happy for him. Happy for the Packers. Made a ton of sense. And I think hopefully that that, that one positive uh, we can take away from this week is that Rashawn Gary will be a Green Bay Packer for the foreseeable future. Uh, quick thoughts on uh, Packers Rams before we get you out of here. Yeah, I think this is two different games. One if Matt Stafford can can grip the ball with his thumb, and one if he can't. You know, if if, if he can't, then you're looking at, at Rippon playing. He was like five for ten for forty two, but you know they're probably a one win team right now without Matt Stafford. Let's just call it what it is. They just got Cooper Cup back. Uh, the, the Puka kids playing high level. Uh, Puka Nakua, Cooper's yep. amazing. Uh, Tutu Atwell's playing playing well for them. They've got a a little bit of a running back issue in the sense that. Their number one got hurt, and their their backup Royce Freeman is uh is running the ball at a pretty good clip, but man, he misses some big holes. I think their offensive line and the run game does a pretty good job. They run out of eleven personnel. The Packers are going to be in nickel a ton. So and and the rec- watching the receivers block is like it's like they got a Zard wannabes all over the field. They're just little yep. studs, man. They, I mean that they're they're really just little studs. They're fun to watch. Um, if that guy figures it out, they could they could definitely break. I think 110 a game. They could probably bump that up to like 140 because they can. They, the guy's fast and they're pretty good up front. Uh, but so for me, ton of deep crossers, ton of in cuts. If you try to double cup, then then that Puka kid gets eats all day. Um, they're really good. It's going to test this secondary who just secondary who just lost their leader and most reliable player. So it's kind of if Matthew Stafford's in this game, that matchup's going to be super interesting to watch. And then on the other side, really. I like the young players that they have up front with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is still the best player, you know, defensive player in the game for me. Um, he's he's just he, what he what he does playing and play out. I take that maybe Max Crosby. I just watched the two tapes on Max Crosby. He doesn't miss a snap. I mean, the guys over Miles Garrett. Uh, Miles Garrett. So Miles, uh, we get into this some other time if you want. But yeah, yeah. Miles Garrett is probably the most athletic thing I've ever seen, and I'm, I'm not saying that he's worse or they're all right there, right? What I'm saying is I've never seen a guy, Max Crosby, to take a playoff, Max Crosby just goes to the other side against the worst player. 
<laughs> like he doesn't come out of the game. Yeah. And you're just and he probably should, to be fair. But it, back to Aaron Donald and the Rams. Um Brian Young, I like the way they're they're both their third round picks are playing. Uh, nine, 91 and zero. I think they're playing at high, they're they're getting better. Ninety seven. Michael Hoyt lost a ton of weight. He looks better on the edge. Um, they've got some good linebackers. It's just their secondary play soft zone. I'll tell you what the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys went three by one on these guys and just they picked on this poor kid, uh, uh, Darian Kendrick number one. I yeah. felt bad. They just picked on him over and they put him on a three by one on an island and it's like the and the Rams just did not help him and he got beat and beat and beat and then they'd go two by two or they'd throw to the three by one side because they play soft zone all the time switch releases get beat all the time I mean it's just nuts so this team if it's like you know again you got to get right game especially with Matthew Stafford there's a lot of ways you can get right especially in the passing game against the Rams I was on the I was on the phone with some Rams guys on a show earlier this week, and that's all they talked about is, man, our soft zone is killing us. It's kill us. And you turn on the tape, and they're absolutely right. So see what happens. It's going to be a battle of soft zones this week. Cannot oh wait to God. watch that. Know, right. <laughs> Who can soft zone, soft zone the other uh, to death, I guess? Uh, it should be fun. Hopefully Green Bay can pick up a win, and hopefully we have something a little bit more positive to talk about next week. Mike, you're the absolute best. Uh, tell us all about Process to Perform on my blog podcast and anything else you want to plug. Yeah, check out the podcast, Thought by Block. We just put out another show. Uh, I think it came out when we were on uh, previewing this Rams matchup. You can find that at the Process to Perform channel on YouTube. Hit me up, MikeWall68 on Twitter, Process to Perform on Instagram. If, guy, if anybody's ever interested on athlete development, total athlete development package, and all those kind of, you know, we work on mindset development, technical mastery, and ownership decisions. So if anybody's ever interested in that for your aspiring athlete or pros out there, check out ProcessToPerform.com. You can hit me up, and, and we can get into that a little bit too. Go check it out. Follow him on social media at MikeWall68. You can follow our podcast at Packaday Podcast. And of course, you can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. For Mike Wall, I'm Andy Herman. Thanks for joining us. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. 